Honestly, this is the last thing that you want when you're trying to draw near to Christ. When you're trying to get your relationship right with Christ, when you're trying to read your Bible more and pray and be near to Him, if you're prideful, it literally says in the scripture that God will resist you. This is Ronnie Baker, 2020 Olympian and professional track and field athlete, and I'm your host for the Undefeated Podcast. On this podcast, we interview real athletes sharing real, raw, and unfiltered stories about their lives before what I like to call their game-changing moment, and how that encounter with God changed their entire outlook on their life and their sport. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode three of the Undefeated Podcast, man. I'm smiling ear to ear because I'm just so geeked about this podcast and what it's done so far. I've gotten a lot of messages from people that have listened to the first few episodes just congratulating me. And I want to just say thank you guys for the support. It's been amazing. Just like within the first week of launching this thing, it's been absolutely crazy. But let's just dive into it, man. There's a lot of stuff that I want to talk about. I want to let you guys know that I'll be releasing these episodes every week on Tuesday. I'll probably have it go out live on Tuesday morning. So you guys have the day to listen to it. And in between the athlete interviews, I'm going to be doing an episode where I talk about something that I'm learning in the Bible. So if you guys don't know, this is my first year where I've committed to reading the Bible all the way through at the age of almost 30 years old. Being a Christian, I have not gotten through the entire Bible. And so I'm doing that and I'm really like diligent with it. I'm definitely going to make it through this year, reading it with a whole new lens just from being free from all the things that if you haven't listened to episode two, you should definitely go listen to just being free from my addictions to lust. It's crazy what I'm discovering, what God's revealing to me and how I can hear the Holy Spirit just speaking to me. So I'm going to share some of that with you guys. This week's episode is going to be just a solo episode with me. And then next week, we've actually got an athlete coming on. She's a D1 volleyball player. So if you like volleyball, we're going to talk all about volleyball next week. So make sure you stick around for that. We're going to dive into her story, and she's going to tell us about her game-changing moment, which I'm super excited about. Stay tuned for that. Episode four is going to be amazing, but let's just dive into some sports. Track and field is really, really kicking off, and I know this is another episode of me talking about track and field, but this is the sport that I absolutely adore, and I love it. So today, or I think maybe yesterday, Tyreek Hill, who is a football player who actually has claimed that he can beat Usain Bolt head to head. I'm pretty sure there's a video out there of him saying that. I'm gonna tell you like this, man. You Usain Bolt got out of the game for a reason, right? He's old, he's washed up, and he can't see me in 40 yards. He actually went and ran in Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, throw them L's up, 502 represent. I'm actually from Louisville. There's a new track facility there. I haven't run there yet. Obviously, I'm going to get there. My coach from high school says, he texts me a picture every time he's there. And he's like, when are you going to come? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get there next year. So hopefully I'll have the facility record and it'll be held by someone from Louisville. But Tyreek Hill went there. He competed in the USATF Masters meet there and he ran 670. And that's great. Awesome. I really appreciate Tyreek Hill getting back on the track. He hasn't actually touched the track since I think 2014. And actually he used to run track in high school. I'm pretty sure. I think he ran at the collegiate level as well. But there's always this debate about track speed and football speed. Which one's faster? I'm just going to name some names, right? You've got Isam Asinga, Nichols Harbor II, Brody Buffington, Jelani Watkins, Micah Larry. These are all high schoolers that would beat Tyreek Hill over 60 meters. Not saying that to throw shade, 
but we have to recognize what track speed is and what football speed is. I hear a lot of announcers every single week. If you watch any college football, if you watch any professional football, the NFL, every announcer always talks about world class speed, world class speed. If you're talking about football players, I think in this day and age, I think we can all come to a conclusion that if you're going to talk about world class speed, you can say those words in a football setting, but you have to say world class speed for a football player because track speed and football speed are completely different. And the guys that are running track do this for a living and they're running a lot faster than most football players in the NFL. I'm going to put that to rest, put it to bed. I <laughs> love you, Tyree Kill. No shade given. Really appreciate what, honestly, all the publicity that you're bringing to our sport. So that's amazing. This weekend is actually the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships. We have been just seeing some fast times. I mean, across track and field in general, the last couple of years has just been blazing fast. I don't know what's in the water, but people are just going berserk with the time. So you had Julian Alfred in the prelims. She ran what would be the collegiate record if it stands at 696 in the 60. You had Jasmine Moore, who in the long jump, she goes to Florida. She won the national title and set a collegiate record there. So collegiate records going down in the first day is absolutely insane. And I asked my coach about it because he's there and he's just, I just asked him, I said, Hey, did you really think that 10 years ago you would see times like this at the collegiate level indoors? For you guys that don't know, indoor track meets, typically the times are a little bit slower than what you would see outdoors, but people are running fast, super fast indoors. And it usually is kind of a, a foreshadowing to even faster times outdoors. He's like 10 years ago, I never would have thought people would run this fast. And so I'm just really, it, it's really exciting because the outdoor season is going to be super fast. And I'm really excited to see all the times and all the PRs and jumps and throws that people are going to do. Shout out to all the collegiate athletes competing. Shout out to Tyreek Hill. There are a couple high school athletes that could still beat you, but hey, it's all good. You're in the NFL, make a lot more money than them anyway. So <laughs> I kind of want to talk a little bit about track and field just to kind of give you guys a little bit of perspective because there's so many people that ask questions about speed and about distances and things like that. So just layman terms for all the people that don't know about track and field, because there'll probably be a lot more track and field talked about on this podcast. First of all, one lap around the track is 400 meters. Let's just clear that up. Half of the track is 200 meters. If you're running a mile, that's four laps. It's 1600 meters. 800 meters would be two laps. Simple math, right? Quick math. You've got all that. And in order for you to compete at the Olympics or world championships, Olympics are every four years. It would be 1996, 2000, 2004, 2008, and so on and so forth. Then in track and field, there's what's called a world championships, and that is every two years. So the Olympics falls on the even years. The world championships falls on the odd year. So that would be 2011, 2013, 2015, 2017, 2019. And typically in there, there's always one gap year for us where we don't actually get to compete for medals because there's no Olympics and there's no world championships. This year is a world championship year. And then next year is going to be the Olympics, which are in Paris. So just a little clarification for you guys that don't know about track and field, but also how you make a track and field team is really cool. Every single year, there is a what we call Olympic or a world championship trials. And it doesn't matter how fast you've run up until then. If you break the world record in the 100 meter dash two weeks before the trials, that doesn't mean that you're on the Olympic team. 
you actually have to go to those trials and you have to basically do a runoff and race everyone in the country (laughs) that has a fast enough time to be there and come top three in order to represent your country at the Olympic Games. There is no qualifying period where like you can qualify eight months in advance or a year in advance like some other sports. This is like a full on who's the best on that day, come with your A game kind of deal. So it's really, really cutthroat. It's one of the hardest teams to make. They're taking three athletes out of the entire nation. So round of applause to everyone that's made an Olympic or world championship team. But now if you didn't know about track and field, you know a little bit more, which is amazing. And you'll continue to learn more and get educated. You're going to get your podcast or what we would call like a YouTube degree in track and field with me, your host, who runs track and field at the professional levels. Thank you guys for bearing with me with that. With that being said, guys, that's the sports talk for today. But let's get into what I'm learning in the Bible. Like I said, this is my first year where I've like I've tried to read the Bible all the way through multiple times and I've become a Genesis scholar, basically. I think I've read Genesis probably 15 times because I said, hey, this year and the new year, I'm going to read the whole Bible all the way through. And then I get to about Deuteronomy, you know, somewhere in there, Numbers. And it's like, oh, I just I just quit. And I just go straight back to reading the Psalms or the Proverbs. You guys have been there. I've been there. You just go, hey, look, it's the 15th. I haven't read my Bible in four days. Proverbs 15, right? Definitely been there, but I'm going to make it all the way through. I believe, and I want to get away from saying that God told me, because what I'm realizing as I read the Bible is that whenever God says something, it is truth. It's going to happen because God, when he speaks, he doesn't take his words back. So I want to be careful when I say God told me, because that would mean that whatever I say after that is the absolute truth. And... (laughs) I don't want to get into saying that. What I think the Holy Spirit is telling me and showing me are some of the things that I'm going to be sharing with you guys as we go forward in the Undefeated Podcast in between game-changing moments with our athletes and them opening up and sharing their raw and real stories. So let's just jump into it. One thing that I realize is that there's no sin that is more severe than another. When I was dealing with my addiction to lust and pornography, I would sometimes believe that what I was dealing with was maybe less sinful than someone else. I'll kind of give you guys an example. For instance, with me, I was watching pornography, which are all sexual sins, and they're sins against yourself. And so Sometimes sexual sin, it manifests in different ways. So there's some people that end up going down the prostitution route. I think it was really easy for me to point out that person and say that they were sinning more or they were worse than me, or I would compare my sin or myself and what I was dealing with to them and say, well, I'm not doing as bad. And we do it all the time, right? It's a difference between looking at someone that's in jail for robbery And the little white lies that we tell every day or the half truths that we tell. And we think somehow that that person deserves more punishment for what they did than for what we did. But from that, I realized a couple things, two things mainly, and I'm going to break those two things down. I realized that at times I was misunderstanding the gospel. And when you believe that your sin is less severe than someone else's, that's kind of where you are. You're misunderstanding So when you compare your sin to someone else and you maybe you say, and and for me, I was saying that there's other people's sin was worse than mine. The reality of it is, is that sin is sin and their sin was just showing up in different symptoms than mine. 
it was almost like I was saying, Jesus didn't have to die for my sins in this scenario. He only had to die for yours because yours are worse than mine. It's a misinterpretation. Subconsciously, you may have not said that, but subconsciously, that's kind of the thought process behind that. I can talk about this because that's exactly where I was at. I never will on this podcast. I'm never going to talk about something that I didn't personally deal with because I am not perfect, guys. I've said that before. So everything that I'm learning, God's just revealing to me because it's something that I've already been through. I was missing the point. I would encourage you guys and challenge you to ask yourself, when have you ever minimized your little lie you told, or maybe you've magnified someone else's shortcomings, or you're in an argument with someone and you know you're in the wrong too, but you try to make the other person feel more guilty because what they did was somehow worse than the sin that you committed. I'm sure that we've all been there. Maybe you can think of a few times, and I challenge you to think of a time where you were in that scenario, that they needed the saving, that I did it. The Holy Spirit directed me to this scripture. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let's break that scripture down into smaller parts so you guys can really understand where I'm coming from. Let's define wages first. Wages are a fixed, regular payment usually paid on a daily basis. So in this scripture, it is saying that the daily payment for our sin would be death. Meaning, yes, even when you don't blatantly sin, you're sinning on a daily basis. And you might ask, why, how, if I'm not actually doing this in consciously, how how could I possibly be sinning, right? So let me direct you to 1 John 1.8. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if you skip down to 1 John 1.10, it says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So that means that if we say that we're not sinful, we are liars. And that would even make us sinful because we're lying. So we sin every day by thinking thoughts we aren't supposed to think and also by not thinking thoughts that we are supposed to think. By saying things we aren't supposed to say and not saying the things that we are. The reality is we should strive to be more like Christ, but the standard is so high that we can't achieve it. So our daily wage would be our own death for our sin. Okay, so let's break the other half of that scripture down. Let's define the word gift. A gift is a thing given willingly to someone without payment. This would mean something you aren't entitled to. In the scripture, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. This gift that God gives us, eternal life, obviously completely different from the death that we do deserve, we're not entitled to it. And I just want people to understand, like you're not entitled to even take be taking a breath right now listening to this podcast. It's almost like if you throw a party and you have all your friends there, you're not entitled to gifts. No one really has to bring you a gift. You're inviting them to celebrate a birthday with you. But typically out of the kindness of their heart, they bring gifts anyway to just celebrate you, to show you that they they care, they're appreciative, that they love you, etc. But you're not necessarily entitled to gifts and you shouldn't throw a party just to get gifts, right? Just wanted to break that down, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. So for every sin, no matter how big or small you believe it is, we all deserve death. So the main two things that I was talking about, the first one is misunderstanding the gospel because You have to understand that no matter what the sin is, there's a price to pay. And the second thing, the second main thing from this is that when I realized this for myself, I realized that I was acting in so much pride. When you operate in worldly terms, 
your sin is worse than mine. There's a lot of pride that's involved with that, especially when you're accusing someone else or you're trying to put more blame on them and save yourself. That's what pride is. We're trying to save ourselves, save our own reputation. So we make other people feel as if their sin is worse than ours. Now, don't get me wrong. There are more severe consequences for certain crimes and sin. There are. The consequence for potentially telling a small white lie to your friend versus the consequence for robbing a bank are completely different, but the sin's still the same. Biblically, the payment would be your life. So you don't want to act prideful before the Lord. I think in sports, pride, especially in individual sports, like the one that I compete in, track and field, it can be one of the most prideful consuming things, especially in the 100 meter dash. Every guy is competing to basically say who's the biggest, baddest, strongest, fastest athlete in the entire world. It's really easy to slip into those prideful moments. A lot of sin goes back to pride. It can be traced back to pride. So it's one of the main things I guard against the biggest. And I I pray and ask God to humble me every single day. But you don't want to be prideful before the Lord. When you talk about other people's sin being worse than yours, it's kind of that that prideful sense. Again, you're trying to save face. So James 4, 5 through 7 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let's define the word oppose. To oppose means to disapprove or to resist, meaning it would read that God resists and disapproves of the proud or prideful. When I read that, I realized a lot of the times why I didn't feel as if God was with me. And the reality and the truth is, guys, rest in this truth is that God is always with you. His name is Emmanuel. That means God's with us. He's always with you, but it says that he resists the proud. Honestly, this is the last thing that you want when you're trying to draw near to Christ. When you're trying to get your relationship right with Christ, when you're trying to read your Bible more and pray and be near to him, if you're prideful, it literally says in the scripture that God will resist you. He's near us, but sometimes it's our own actions that prohibit us from really experiencing the fruits of the spirit, from experiencing him at that level is because there's things like pride in our heart. He can feel far away when we're not acting in humility. It's sometimes our own pride that prohibits us from encountering him. We broke that down saying that James 4, 5 through 7, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, basically saying that God will resist the proud. And you don't want that. So let's get a grip and realize that we are no better than our brother and sister when it comes to sin. We are all counted guilty. The Bible doesn't point to our sins that we can feel shame and guilt either. Like the Bible's not pointing that out so that we feel shame and we walk around with all this shame in our lives. Shame is from the enemy. Conviction is from God. Romans 8, 1 says, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So let's define condemnation. Condemnation is the expression of very strong disapproval. So when you read that back in the scripture, it basically would read that there is no disapproval for those who are in Christ Jesus. The reason this is true is because our character is actually who God knows that we are. And because we are in Christ, he looks beyond our faults. He actually looks beyond our flaws and he sees the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in us. That's how God sees you. If you read in Genesis 1 verses 27, it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So we are created in God's righteous image. And that's how God sees us despite our sin. That is the truth. 
there's no disapproval for those who are in Christ Jesus. But hold on a second. I know for those Bible scholars that are out there, we have to really break this down before we move on. There is disapproval for your sin. Absolutely. God does not want you to sin and he does not like sin at all. There's no way that you can come to Christ if you have sin in your life. That's why Jesus had to come and be our sacrificial lamb and die for us so that we could be restored to God because there can be no sin in, in God in the same area. It can't, it can't happen. So this scripture is saying that, yes, God disapproves of your sin. Absolutely. And that's where we feel conviction. That's where we have the heart change. The conviction comes from God so that we change our heart towards him so that when we change the inside of us, our actions resemble that and we can live more Christ-like. The key here is that God is not disapproving of you. You have to rest in that truth that God is not out to hate you. He's not out to punish you or disapprove of you. As the scripture says here, he's not disapproving of you as his creation when you sin, but he is disapproving of your sin. The Bible points out our sin, but again, not to make us feel shame. We must remember we have to take out ourselves from the scripture. We have to stop looking at the scripture to find ourselves when we read it. We have to realize the Bible points out the sin to direct us to Jesus and have us remember that he was a spotless lamb. And because of our sin, no matter if it's a little lie or the wrong thought, or even if it's theft or murder, we need Jesus to save us. We absolutely need Jesus to save us because every single sin deserves death. So the next time that we're reluctant to extend grace and mercy to someone that's wronged you or that's hurt you or your family, I've been there, guys. I'm going to tell you that forgiveness is not easy at all. We're fallen people. We're broken people. We live in a fallen world, and it's not easy to forgive. But sometimes when you can think about these concepts and you think about the heart of Jesus, when you think about the mercy and grace that he extends to us every day just by waking us up, you know, you might hear a lot of people when you ask them how their day is going, they say, I'm just happy to be alive. And it's this nonchalant thing where they're just like, yep, I'm living, I'm breathing, so it's a good day. But if you really dissect that, God could decide that our lives could end in in a moment's notice. But because of his mercy and his grace, he breathes life into us every single day. I think that understanding that and knowing that at a deeper level has changed my whole perspective when it comes to forgiving and extending mercy and grace towards people and having empathy for people and understanding the situations that they're in and what they may be dealing with. So I encourage you to remember how patient God is with you and the mercy and the grace he has on your life. When you start to understand that's the character of Jesus Christ, this is how you should study the scripture is finding God's character, finding who he is. This is how you understand his personality and then taking that, applying it to your heart so that you can change who you are on the inside and that you can outwardly reflect that in your behavior. Guess what, guys? Like I said, it's not easy whatsoever but it's necessary if we want to show others his character in our relationships and draw people to him. This is what we have to do, not only as athletes, but as people living everyday life outside of our sport, outside of our practices and outside of the gym. I really hope this encourages you guys to think of times or even in moments where you may feel angry at someone because of something they've done that's wronged you. But just remember that That same wrong that they've done to you, you've done to Jesus probably a hundred times over. I pray that this helps and I pray that you guys can continue to extend grace to others because you know your sin and the punishment for it. 
and how God is so patient with you. I also pray in those times that you'll recognize your pride and you'll humble yourself so that God doesn't resist you. He doesn't oppose you and that you can continue to live in humility with Christ and be in his will for your life because living in God's will is the ultimate success. So let's not shame others for their sin. Let's understand Jesus had to die for their sin and yours, no matter how small or big it seems. Let's let go of that pride and forgive in humility. So guys, be blessed until next week. Make sure you tune into episode four next week where we interview our first athlete. Also, make sure you like and rate the podcast. Five stars is always better than four. Go give us a five-star rating. We need more of those so that more people can hear these raw, authentic stories that are going to connect with them. And ultimately, our goal is to bring more people to experience Christ for them to have their game-changing moments. So the more that you guys say this podcast is good and you leave good reviews and you leave five stars, the more people that are going to hear about the word of Jesus Christ and be able to relate to other people's struggles and also get the help they need to overcome those and encounter God in a brand new way. So make sure you give us five stars, guys. Rate us on all the places that you receive your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And until next time, guys, you already know that God's already won. And because of that, you remain undefeated. Guys, one of the hardest things as a Christian athlete is to find good Christian hype music. And so what I've done is I've compiled a playlist for you that's going to give you good, upbeat, up-tempo hype music. It's also going to talk about Jesus without all the profanity. So I've compiled that. I'll leave the link to that in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. It's really good. I'll be adding to that as the season goes on. And until next time, guys, you already know that God's already won. And because of that, you remain undefeated.